counsellor or a psychotherapist wanting to attract more clients more simply, then you, lovely person, are in the right place. Because I'm here to help you navigate marketing and remove any confusion and overwhelm that you might feel. Oh, and ditch that critical, nagging inner voice too. So each week I'll offer you inspiration, motivation and practical advice so you can get your marketing done and then get on with your life. I'm Jane Travis and welcome to the Grow Your Private Practice show. It's great to have you here. Hello, hello, hello and welcome back. And if it's your first time here, it's great that you found us. I hope you enjoy your stay. I hope you're having a good day. I'm having a lovely day. I've just taken the dog out. The sun's been shining. It's been that sort of coolness in the early morning in the summer. And I was able to chat to other dog owners and yeah, just really, really nice. So I'm feeling very chilled and very relaxed and I hope you are too. Okay, let's get on with it. I've got a question for you. Now, would you agree that accessing therapy isn't something that's done on impulse? I mean, You don't see an advert and think, yep, that's what I need, and then pick the phone up and, you know, call someone, do you? And it's not just therapy. You know, people don't just buy things purely through advertising anymore. Since the internet became such a big part of our lives, I think we've changed our buying habits generally. We're now a lot more sophisticated. So, for example, if you wanted to go out for a meal you might get on the internet and check out the menu online. You might also check out the reviews that they've had, and that's going to help you to make your decision about, you know, which restaurant you want to go to. And it's like that for anything that you buy, you know, even things that are relatively inexpensive. So, for example, I recently bought a stand for my laptop. Since I've had this laptop, it's been sitting on the box that it came in and some notepads to sort of boost it up a little bit, which isn't which isn't brilliant, isn't it? And I didn't really think about it until I started to realise that it's just not high enough when I'm on Zoom. And I saw a post somewhere that was asking about laptop stands and my little ears pricked up and I thought, God, laptop stand, that's what I need. So I had a look on Google, looked for like a comparison blog and then I searched on Amazon and narrowed my choice down to two and then checked out the reviews and eventually I bought it and it's here now sitting on my desk. It cost £23.99p. So if I go through this process for a relatively inexpensive thing, can you imagine the process for someone that's looking for a therapist? Now, therapy really is classed as what I would call a considered purchase. So something you're going to have to really think about before you go ahead with it financially, because over the month, it's going to cost anything up from £180, isn't it? And 180 is relatively inexpensive these days, isn't it? So yes, of course, money is going to be a consideration, but it's more than that. You're essentially entrusting yourself to a stranger. You're going to share your story, your innermost thoughts, your feelings, and you're even going to share those things that you might feel ashamed of with somebody. And, you know, you're putting the whole of your mental health in their hands you're going to be probably at your most vulnerable. So it's not hard to understand why it feels like a pretty high-risk thing to do. Therapy isn't something that people embark on lightly. So of course, a potential client is going to go through a process before they reach the point of making contact with you. So in order to help more people, 
in order to stand out in a crowded market and in order to attract more clients, it's important to really understand that client's journey into therapy. Because this way, you're going to be there to help them at every stage of that journey. And as the potential client starts to get an awareness of you and starts to know, like, and trust you, and this is important because people buy from or use the services of people that they know, like, or trust, once they start to know, like, or trust you, then you're far more likely to be the person that they contact when the time is right. So what is the process that they go through? Now, before deciding to access therapy, a client goes through four different stages. So stage one is when they know that something's wrong, but they're not exactly sure what that is. Stage two is that they know what is wrong, but they're not really sure if there's a solution to their problem. Stage three is I know that there's a solution. I don't know which of the solutions available is going to be right for me. And stage four is I know that I want to access therapy I don't know which therapist to choose. And as a private practitioner, it's essential to guide people through these stages and let them know that you are going to be the best choice of therapist for them. And just to let you know, I have a free guide called A Client's Journey into Therapy that walks you through all of these stages. It has examples of different types of clients, has examples of different content that they're going to find useful. There'll be a link around this somewhere or go to janetravis.co.uk slash journey and get your copy there. So stage one is I know something is wrong, but I'm not exactly sure what. So your potential client might be feeling some general dissatisfaction, you know, that uneasy feeling that they can't quite put their finger on about, you know, what's going on and why they feel like this. So they may start to have a low mood. They may feel a bit trapped. They may feel a bit lonely. And at this stage, you could help them by producing content. And when I say content, I mean things like blogs or YouTube videos or podcasts like this. So producing content that's going to normalize the feelings that they might have. So normalize the feelings that they have of maybe anger or jealousy or fear and have examples of how people tend to react in certain circumstances. And that's going to help to spark a recognition for them that this might be the thing that's going on for them. So you could produce content with ideas for self-care, ideas about self-reflection and ideas for personal development. So something helpful for stage one could be writing a blog called 10 self-care ideas that take 10 minutes or less. So stage two is I know what's wrong but I don't know if there's a solution for it. So in this stage they're aware of what the problem is but they just don't know what to do about it. They don't know if they can even do something about it. They might think that this is something that they just have to get on with. This is just how life is. So they may feel very trapped. They may feel afraid to talk about what's the, what they're going through because they might fear conflict or they might even fear change. It's like that big unknown, isn't it? So at this stage, more content about self-care would be great or content that's talking about communication or even stuff that's talking about the power of boundaries, that would be really useful for somebody in this stage. Something else that you can do is share case studies that help because they might recognise themselves within that case study and they might feel hopeful that if this 
you know, if the person in the case study has felt better, that might be something they can do themselves. Now, before you panic, just to let you know, I don't mean real case studies of real people. Of course, you can't do that. That's not applicable at all. That's not ethical at all. But the way that you can do it is you can make up a story. So if you listen to the previous episode, episode 112, I talk about Flossie and I talk about Kate. These are two people that I made up. So go and take a listen, go and take a look. You know, it's available as a blog or a podcast and you'll see what I mean. And this is a great way actually of of sharing some information that's going to be really helpful to let people know what could happen whilst they're in therapy. In fact, I do this in the free guide. I've talked about the free guide to the client's journey into therapy that goes with this episode. I talk a bit about it there because I have a different example for each of the four different stages. And I talk about a different person in each of those examples. And they're made up, you know, they're not real people because that just wouldn't be right. So go and have a look at that, grab that. So something helpful for stage two could be something like five tips for setting boundaries. That would be really useful. Now, in stage three, that's the stage where, you know, I know there's a solution, but I don't know which solution is right for me. So at this stage, they know they've got a problem. They know that there are things that they can do to handle it, but they just don't know which is going to be the best choice of action for them. So, you know, they might... In order to help themselves, they could go on holiday, for example, or they could read a book about the subject or go for a spa weekend, or they might choose to go for hypnotherapy or EFT or a self-help course or life coaching, or, you know, there can be lots of different things that people can try to help them to, you know, deal with whatever the, the problem or issue it is that they're struggling with. Now, they might have considered therapy, but because they don't consider how they're feeling to be a mental health issue, they might have disregarded it. So at this stage, I would suggest that you share content that normalizes how they're feeling. Let them know that this is a normal response to what's happening in their life. And that lets them know that, you know, this isn't a a mental health issue as such. And then you can talk about the benefits of accessing help early before it does become a mental health issue. So you can share content that offers help and you can also share content that's to do with the process of counselling, of what happens in counselling, what they can expect. So something really helpful for stage three could be producing something called I'm not depressed. Do I need counselling? So they can read that and they can say, well, I don't think I'm depressed, but I'm really struggling. And they could say, yeah, I can understand now that counselling is going to be something that's going to help me. So now they're at stage four. And at this point, they know that it's therapy that they want. They've chosen therapy, but they don't know which therapist to choose. So, you know, this is the point when they're actively looking for the right therapist for them. So they might, for example, look on an online directory, but they feel overwhelmed and confused by the number of people available. And just think about how confusing and overwhelming these directories can be. So many different people, so many different choices offering so many different things. And remember, a confused mind always says no. So it might even be enough for somebody to say, oh my God, that all looks too hard. I don't know who's the right person to choose. 
Okay, so going on a directory can be very difficult for people. So what do they do? So I would say that they shortlist the therapists that look interesting to them and then go and have a look at their website. This is what I do. This is what I always do and I always will do. I'll go and look at the three most, you know, the most applicable kind of people. It's the same with the restaurant. I look at the three most applicable restaurants and then I go and check it out a bit closer. So when this person goes and lands on your website and has a look around and sees that you're writing blogs, they will go and have a look at a few. And because in these blogs, what you're doing is you're really demonstrating a deep understanding of your client's needs. This person will feel like these blogs were written especially for her because they're all really helpful. They all talk about, you know, subjects that are very relevant to them. And you can also have blogs that are, you know, directly responding to current questions. So create blogs that answer those frequently asked questions. And these are all going to help somebody make you, the, you know, make a choice to come to you out of all of those different people. So a really helpful blog for stage four might be what happens in your first therapy session with me? So somebody that's a little bit anxious about coming, if you talk to them about, you know, what exactly happens in that therapy session, it takes away that fear. It makes it, you know, it helps people to see exactly what's going to happen. It helps to alleviate that anxiety. So these will directly answer the questions that she has. So can you see that by having resources on your website for these different stages of the client's journey, you're demonstrating a real understanding of your client and how they're feeling. And therefore, they're going to feel understood. And you're going to come across as someone that's very relatable. They're going to get a good feeling from you. And they're going to decide that they'd feel comfortable sharing their story with you. They'll be able to picture themselves sitting with you and talking to you. And when they're in the right place and when the time is right, you are going to be the person that they contact. So you might be thinking, well, look, Jane, that sounds great. I get it. But I really need clients right now, not in several months or a year's time. But the thing is, look, you're in business for the long haul. You're in a therapy business. Hopefully you'll be a therapist for years. And every blog post that you write, every piece of content that you put out there all has a cumulative effect. So that means that the blogs that you produce are going to help your SEO. SEO, is it stands for search engine optimization. And it really means that you're telling Google and other search engines what your website's about so that they can send the right people to your website. So blogs help with SEO. It means that Google's going to show you to more people. It also helps to reduce the bounce rate. So the bounce rate is the amount of time that somebody stays on your website before they click away and leave. So if you have a bounce rate where it shows that people are staying on your, on your website, this tells Google that you're producing useful information because people are staying around and reading it. So you're again going to be far more likely to show up in search results. So it has this cumulative effect that's going to help your business in the long term. And every visitor to your website will have a useful resource available to help them. And this helps you to establish your authority without ever having to say that you're an expert. 
And that feels a whole lot better, doesn't it? And you can share and repurpose this content over and over. So when you write a blog or produce videos or something like that, this is not something you put on your website and then just forget about. It's not something that's there just for a short amount of time. Over time, you have a valuable resource for any potential client that happens upon your website. So that piece of content you can repurpose over and over again. So what do I mean by repurpose? So repurposing means that you take that blog and you use it in lots of different ways. So you might share different bits of it on social media. So you might take a section from the beginning or a section from the middle or a section from the end. You might have a a quote that sort of fits in with your blog post that you might use to share it. You might choose to read a bit out of it on video. There is honestly, there are so many different ways that you can repurpose your blog. And you're not just, you know, doing this once or twice. You can repurpose every blog, probably every three months, every six months. So that means that it starts to make your, you know, producing your social media a whole lot more easy as well. So creating this content is a really wise way to invest time into your practice because it's going to be seen over and over again in the future for years, potentially for years. So I hope this has helped you. I hope this has helped you to see that, you know, it's useful to to create information for people at all of the different stages of their journey. It's going to help them and it's going to help you. And it's going to be a great investment of time into your practice. So now it's time to take action. So I have written a free guide about the client's journey into therapy. And in this free guide, I share five different content ideas for each of the different stages. And for each of the different stages, I have five examples of different issues that people have. You can grab it at janetravis.co.uk slash journey, or you'll find a link somewhere around this. So your action step is to grab the free guide and to write a blog post for each of these stages. And I hope you enjoy it. So if you've enjoyed it, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And it would be really great if you tell your counselling friends too, because remember, a rising tide lifts all boats. So that's it. I hope you've enjoyed this. Have an absolutely fabulous rest of the day, and I hope to see you next time. You take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening and if you enjoyed this then please subscribe to the show and while you're there i'd love it if you could leave me a big shiny five-star review bye